of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us so that our guilt might be taken away, and that we might be restored by Him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, I'm a Lutheran pastor. Um, and uh, that means that I have been uh, both trained and have experience in the art and science of Lutheraning, um, and, which is an interesting thing, uh, especially being in my position, because a lot of times I get this, this joy and privilege of hearing other people tell me what it means to be a Lutheran. And uh, and so it's always kind of fun to hear what that is, at least most of the time. Um, because every now and again I get this sense that uh, Lutheran means something different than what I think it does and what all of Lutheran theology thinks it does. But it sounds kind of cool. So we're like, yeah, I like that. I like that little sound bite. I'm going to apply that to Lutheranism. And one of those things that I hear, oh, I've been hearing it a little bit more here lately, I don't know if my ears have just been perked up to it, but it's this sense of of Lutheran guilt, which uh, I I think is interesting, I I think probably what happened is that some well-meaning Lutheran out there heard some well-meaning Roman Catholic or Episcopalian person talk about uh, Catholic guilt or Episcopal guilt, and they said, well, that sounds kind of good, and I feel guilty a lot, and I'm a Lutheran. So I'm just going to say that I have Lutheran guilt. The problem with that is that it's horrible Lutheran theology. Because what people are saying when they talk about uh, Catholic guilt or Episcopal guilt or even Lutheran guilt is this sense that, that you're motivated by guilt. And, and that motivation then becomes kind of this, like, um, you know, we get together on a Sunday morning and we say, I, a poor, miserable sinner, and then we, we kind of beat ourselves up and we go, alright, I'm a poor, miserable sinner, now I'm charged up and I should go out there and go and do stuff. Because I'm so awful. And that never works. And maybe some of you have tried that. In fact, I'm pretty sure that some of you have tried it. Because it's kind of interesting when you're motivated by guilt. Mark Twain has this great quote about teaching a pig how to do tricks. He he says, don't ever try to teach a pig to do tricks. Because you won't teach the pig and it just annoys the pig. Well, Well, that's kind of what happens when you're motivated by guilt into doing things that you think are good. Because uh, we can tell. We can tell that you're like, oh, I have to go and do this because I'm such a horrible person. And the rest of us are like, would you just stop doing whatever it is? It's not good anymore. You screwed it up. Be guilty about that. Because guilt is a no good motivator. In fact, guilt is actually more likely going to be a manipulation. And sometimes we're we're so good at sinning that we're we're good at not only manipulating other people, we're good at manipulating ourselves with guilt. Which is really dumb if you think about it, but it is who we are. And it is how we act from time to time. And that's not to say that guilt is always a a sort of negative thing. Actually, 
occasionally it's good to have that emotion of guilt because you do sort of need that to wake you up and to say, okay, I am a sinner. I do need to go and receive God's forgiveness. I do need to be reminded that I need that forgiveness. But it's a horrible motivator. The only thing that, that guilt should motivate you to do is to confess your sins and then after that get on with life as God intended it for you. And that's what the story of the prodigal son that we just read is all about. Because in the story of the prodigal son, you have a whole lot of stuff that could turn into uh, sort of a guilt fest. In fact, it does for the younger son. And the younger son, he goes out there, he says, Father, uh, give me all of the money that I would get if you died. Oh, nice. You should feel guilty about that, younger son. Jerk. And he goes and he takes it and he goes out and he spends it on wild living and on prostitutes. And he finally ends up working in a pig farm. Just to remind you, Jesus is a Jewish guy speaking to a Jewish audience going, this guy works in a pig farm. If you know Judaism, you know that working in a pig farm is probably about as bad as it can get. For us, maybe that's like working at a rat farm. Uh, it, it is not good. And, and the son is going, well, if I could only eat what those rats ate. And it's not cheese. And then he remembers. He remembers, oh, I, I can go back to my father's house. The servants at my father's house, they, they have enough bread to eat. And he gets really kind of feeling guilty about it. And you can tell that from, from the way that he's talking about this. And he says, I'll just go back to my father and I'll tell him, Father, I've sinned against you and, and against heaven. And, well, would you take me as a servant? I'm, I'm too guilty to be your son. But would you take me as a servant and I'll be motivated in my servanthood by all of this guilt and, and paying you back and that's what I'm going to do. Here's what I have to offer you uh, is my guilt so that I can go into your fields and work and be guilty and it'll, it'll be great. Now thankfully the father, he, he doesn't even listen to the son it sounds like. The son, well, he, he's walking up the road and the father comes running towards him, Right? And the son has this like pre-memorized speech that he says, Father, I have sinned against you. And the father, you can almost tell, is, is sort of like he's talking, but I'm not listening. And shouting at his servants, go and get all of the stuff that makes him look like a son again. Because he's covered in pig do. <laughs> And the father is saying, no, I'm going to restore you. And really that's what motivates us in Christianity. At least it's what should motivate us. We shouldn't be motivated by that sense of guilt that we've done all of these sins and because of that we somehow have to pay God back. Because that's ugly. And we don't worship an ugly God. We worship a God of beauty. A God who renews us. A God who, when we do forgive, confess our sins, is right there to say, 
I forgive you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's done. It's over. I'm renewing you. This is happening right now. And if you don't believe that, guess what? You're going to get about an hour more that this sinks in for you to remember you are forgiven. And I'm going to do that in a multiple different ways. You're going to hear it in my word. You're going to hear it when you hear the absolution and and confession. You're going to hear it when the words of institution are spoken to you so that you understand that this meal is actually for the forgiveness of your sins. You're going to hear it over and over and over again. And finally, you're going to end up at this point, at the end of the service, where you get peace, not guilt. Because that's the beautiful point at which we begin to live truly Christian lives. It's that point where we are renewed. And, and suddenly it's sort of like we feel like we get strength back in our arms and our legs. And we go, you know what, I actually can do some stuff. I actually can maybe even talk to a neighbor. I maybe can do some stuff here around church. Maybe I can do some stuff where, uh, you know, nobody knows about it except for me, but I feel that I can do this, and God has made me to do this, and this is going to be really exciting, and I'm going to go do it. Well, that's a whole lot better than, I guess I have to go and do this. But we're so used to that, aren't we? In fact, we're so used to it. I think that's part of the reason that Jesus tells us about the older brother. Because the older brother, I mean, he loves guilt, doesn't he? He even tries to put it on the father. He is such a pro at guilt that he tries to put it on his dad. Oh, And so his dad comes out and... um, He's like, hey, son, why aren't you in? We've got fat calf. It was a big deal. And the son is like, well, all of these years, I've been here in your house, even when that, that guy left. Been here, worked for you the whole time, and yet never even once did you give me a goat. <laughs> the father is like, okay, you're being motivated by guilt, and you're trying to motivate me by guilt, and it doesn't work. We try to do that with God sometimes. We try to motivate Him by guilt. We try to say, hey God, you know, I'm, I'm this great guy. I'm, I'm one of your pastors. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, th- that goat. Um, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm asking for a goat. Could you give me the goat? And God says, I don't work like that. And you're actually really lucky that I don't work like that. Because if I worked by being motivated by guilt, that would mean that this whole salvation thing, that's all up to you. That all of my gifts and all of my blessings, it's all up to you. Just doing good stuff and then guilting me into giving you stuff. Well, that's a pretty awful father to have. That's not the father that we have. Father that we have says, I'm not motivated by guilt. 
I'm motivated by restoring you and renewing you. Time after time after time after time after time. And so every time you sin, every time you come dragging back, covered in pig doo-doo, I'm going to be right there and I'm going to restore you and I'm going to put a cloak on you and I'm going to put a ring on you and this is going to be great because you're going to be my son once again and you are not going to be motivated by guilt. You're going to be motivated by the fact that you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you so much and I gave you so much good stuff to work with. Let's do this, let's party, let's celebrate, let's have a fattened calf. Be who you are. Be who I restored you to be. Forget the guilt. I took care of that on the cross. It's over. Celebrate.